You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. And we are back for yet another episode of the Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Maurice Kilover. And I'm Susie Hunt. Yay! Welcome back! <laughs> Good to be back, Alex. I was going to say, it's been a while. It has been. Indeed. But we are continuing our month of Nightmare on Elm Street movies with episode 179, A Nightmare on Elm Street, The Dream Master. This is number four. Um, From 1988, it's an hour and 33 minutes, directed by Rennie Harlan, who we would know from Die Hard 2, The Adventures of Ford Fairline, uh, Cliffhanger, Cutthroat Island, The Long Kiss, Goodnight, Deep Blue Sea, and Exorcist, The Beginning. So two of those movies we may have on here one day. But And, of course, I'm talking about Die Hard 2 and Cliffhanger. Mm. You know. mm-hmm. <laughs> but let's go around the table and see what everyone thinks about this fourth entry into the Nightmare franchise. Susie, as it's your first time back for about a month here, what are your thoughts? Not my favorite. Not my favorite at all. Mm-hmm. I Three is my favorite. Okay. Um, but this one does have my second favorite kill. Mm-hmm. The bug. <laughs> Squeesh. I remember watching this when I was a kid, and it freaked me out when her arms break. And oh, it's and still gnarly. It it is, but I like I remember when I was little, I would like <clears throat> mm-hmm. watch it with my eyes kind of covered. But, um, yeah, I I'm mad they killed off Kincaid at the very beginning because mm-hmm. he was he was my favorite, and uh, yeah, definitely leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. But uh, Maurice, what what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, it's to me, it's the beginning of the, of the decline for, for Nightmare on the Street franchise. Yeah, I, I, it doesn't really get much better after this. I do like <clears throat> Part Six a lot, but I think I like it because it's so silly. But yeah, it, it, at that at this they, point forward, it becomes they, like, these you know, movies have nothing on one, two, and three. Oh no! Like so, it's it's mm-hmm. the slow. The, I shouldn't even say slow. It's a fast decline after this. <laughs> it's pretty much each subsequent movie has pissed off the fans more and more. Uh, much, much like part three, I do like this this 80s music. I was, I was going to ask you about the Sinead O'Connor song, if uh, if that was your bag. Um, no, but I wrote it down. Uh, anything anything by Drama Rama. Mm-hmm. I really like that song. Why? Because it sounds like old school offspring. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Like... I can Less, definitely see like, that. Like Jennifer Lost the War. That's not like I'm talking about pre Smash. Mm-hmm. That's what Offspring sounded like. I I can definitely hear so, that. Not that poppy. Overall, the soundtrack's not bad. No, it's good. It's it, that's why I said much like Part Three, the soundtrack is really good. Um, but it is is the beginning of the end. But there are some cool moments in this movie. Um, Freddie's lines. I mean, he's definitely just a ballbuster now. Oh yeah, yeah. The, this um, part three was where it began. It yeah. just keeps on going. Um, having a dog piss in the ground, bringing him back to life. <laughs> See, like that's so fucking <laughs> weird. To, okay, like, I'm ahead. not saying that's a great moment. <laughs> no, no, no. But as a kid, I never put two and two together and thought that was the reason he came back. I always just thought. Oh well, of course he's not dead because at the end of part three, the little light turns on in the end in the uh, paper mache house. So as a kid, I was just like, "Well, yeah, Freddy's coming back. He's fucking with him." Yeah. But after watching Rennie Harlan talk about it, where he's like, "Oh no, no, the dog it pisses fire and it brings him back to life," I'm like, 
Wait, no, he's you gonna, meant that as like that yeah, was his resurrection? Yeah, I read in the trivia that he compares it to like hellhounds. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like what? This no. makes no sense. No. Then maybe they should have named it Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. I piss on your grave. <laughs> That's what it should be. Doc, I'm pissing fire. I piss on this movie. Um, <laughs> it does have a cool kill. Well, one of his quips during a kill. Uh, we'll get to that later, but it has to do with a waterbed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what he says during that. <laughs> but I'm bump. So we'll get to that moment, hopefully. Uh, but, yeah, overall, I mean, I don't hate it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's watchable. It's not not watchable, but it, it's definitely not one, two, and three. I mean, yeah. two is my favorite, but. See, for me, this is, uh, much like both of you, this is definitely one of my least favorites. Um, I think four and five are the weakest of the franchise. Which is funny because they're two of the best selling. <laughs> like they did the mm. best at the box office. Well, because then by then, Freddy Krueger was an icon. Yeah, he was a household name. So. But it's just it's funny that like people often talk about the Alice movies as being so good, and it's like, eh, were they though? Yeah. Like, I, I've I've always loved one and one, three, and seven. Like as a kid, and then as an adult, I started to really appreciate part two, and now it's pretty much one, two, three, seven is is my favorite in order. Um, so, I still always love the first. Seven's New Nightmare, right? Yeah, that's one where the the real the real actors. Yeah. yeah, and it's like Freddy. Freddy <clears throat> is the boogeyman that inspired Freddy Krueger. Yeah, I was like, I I I like that. But I mean, Wes Craven has always played around with the meta ideas. In fact, he like I said on on the Nightmare on Elm Street three episode, that was what he pitched for the third Nightmare movie. Yeah. So like way before he ever came up with Scream, he was mm-hmm. pitching these kind of ideas. But yeah, no, I, I really liked this as a kid, mainly because visually it's so striking. Mm-hmm. And that is one thing I will say about this movie. The, the visuals are fucking awesome. Uh, you can tell all the budget went to the effects. Because yeah. <laughs> there's the, the, the scene in the dream sequence where she's in the movies. And it's such a simple look, but it, it works so well. Where she falls at the screen and goes from three-dimensional to two-dimensional. Yeah. It's such a cool transition. I know it's just clever editing, but it looks so good. Um, and there's a lot of shots like that in this movie. So I really do appreciate that. I don't really like the look of Freddy that much in this. I feel like his makeup work looks more like a mask than in any of the other movies. Yeah, but at least he sounds like Freddy throughout the whole movie. True. And not going back. That was the one thing about part three is like, wait a minute. He sounds like Robert England, not Freddy. Yeah. Like in a couple scenes. He'd, he'd go back and forth between normal voice and gravelly right. voice. And yeah. But one thing I wanted to say about the budget was, <clears throat> yeah, obviously went to the, to that because, um, they couldn't afford to bring back Patricia Arquette. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't believe the story that she was pregnant because she had the baby in like 89. Yeah. So and she was she also were, in another film in right, 88. So, so if she were pregnant, it, she would have been very early. Mm-hmm. So plus, it's not like the character of Kristen had to do a whole hell of a lot stunt wise. Right. Like her character was written out of the movie pretty quick. Right. So, so I think it, it boiled down to the fact that New Line didn't want to pay her, which is mm-hmm. what both Rennie Harlan and um, what's his name, the guy who played Joey Rodney Eastman, both of them said in um, Never Sleep Again. Yeah. They were like the reason that uh, Patricia Arquette didn't come back was because they just weren't willing to pay her what she was worth. Yeah. And it's like, and set. I mean, that's the same reason that fucking. Um, Sydney, uh, what's her name? Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell didn't come back for Scream Six. Yeah, and um, I can't blame her. It's like yeah. you, know, yeah. you, you did all these movies; you deserve to get paid. Well, you also should not throw a pregnant woman in a furnace. I mean, that's debatable. <laughs> I, it might. 
it might help cook the baby faster. Yeah. <laughs> But no, overall, uh, it's definitely one of the weaker ones for me. But I do like the whole franchise. So, yeah. again, it, this is like talking about Marvel movies where I can, like, pick out Marvel movies and be like, eh, that's the weakest one. It's still a Marvel movie. I'm still going to love it. Like, I still have fun. So it's like there's still a lot for me to love here. But when I want to watch a Nightmare movie, I usually put on one, two, or three. So, but uh, let's get into the cast here. We have uh, Kristen Parker, played by Tuesday Night. Uh, she was in The Facts of Life, Matlock, Mad About You, Calendar Girl, A New Nightmare, The X-Files, and Attack of the Radioactive Zombies. Mm-hmm. Good That's movie. A great movie. <laughs> then uh, we have a few people who were also in the last movie, so I'm not going to go through the credits, but Elaine Parker, played by Brooke Bundy, uh, Joey, played by Rodney Eastman, and Kincaid, played by Ken Sagos. Then we have Rick, played by Andre jo- uh, Andres Jones. He was in Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Bolorama, so we already saw him once. <laughs> well, you Shout guys, out, Omega. You guys did. <laughs> yeah, I, say, you know, I missed that one. Yeah, you, that was one of the few you missed. Uh, Alienation and Night Trap for the Sega CD. If you guys want to watch a really ridiculous playthrough, look up Night Trap Full Story on YouTube and get ready to laugh. It's, whew. I remember playing that game back in the day, but it is like, <laughs> it's like the most budget of budget movies. <laughs> it's real bad. Wait, um, is it worse than... Uh... House of the Dead? Oh, yeah, by a lot. Ooh. Yeah, oh, by a lot. Like, the acting is painfully bad. It was a fun video game, but <laughs> the acting in it is awful. Uh, then we have Dan, played by Danny Hassel. He was in Murder, She Wrote, Simon and Simon, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, and Columbo. We have Sheila, trade by, er, trade, yeah. Sheila, played by Toy Newark, uh, or, no, I'm sorry, Newkirk. Uh, different Strokes, uh, Different World, Beverly Hills 90210, and Living Single. Then Debbie, played by Brooke uh, Thies. She was in Growing Pains, Just the Ten of Us, Parker Lewis Can't Lose, Blossom, Beverly Hills 90210, and that abomination that was Catwoman. Uh, then we have Alice, played by Lisa Wilcox. She was in A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. Um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, the TV show. Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, and Murder, She Wrote. And of course... As I mentioned with episode uh, with the second uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie, we have Freddy Krueger played by Robert England, who I'm not going to say his credits. What else was he in? I'm kidding. We've already been through this. <laughs> who was finally cast as lead role? Yes, exactly. Yes. He got lead billing in this one. Um, so basically, the plot is Freddy Krueger returns once again to terrorize the dreams of the remaining Dream Warriors, as well as some fresh new victims. Damn dog piss. <laughs> Oh, and we got our first of probably many cat interruptions. So for the listeners, this is the first time recording in person in a little over a month now. Mm-hmm. And um, Rufus is uh, attached to Maurice's hip. So By he's, his butt. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to plop right here so Maurice can watch me sleep. Mm. <laughs> I can't even threaten to take you home anymore because I have too many cats in the house now. Look, he's like, paint me like one of your French girls. You would be the only male, though. Ooh, all that pussy. All that neutered pussy. Oh. It's just fun, fun, fun. So your daddy takes the T-bird away. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) All right, so back into the movie here. Uh, We open with yet another quote. This time it's from the Bible. Uh, When deep sleep falleth on men, fear came upon me and trembling, which made all my bones to shake. Job 4, 13 through 14. Now, that's 
really taken out of context for this, but yeah. hey, it's a dream passage, so why not? Why don't you get a job? A job. A job. I am job. Um, so we see. I have to go to my job tomorrow. I'm just picturing Mrs. Doubtfire. I am job. Hello, job. Hello. So we see a little girl creating sidewalk chalk drawings in front of 1428 Elm Street while the opening credits roll. We pan up and see Kristen 2.0 as she wanders over to the little girl and asks, do you live here? Um, the little girl kind of just giggles and, she, and we look down and see she's drawing none other than the Elm Street house. Mm-hmm. Uh, the little girl tells her no one lives here and then Kristen asks, where's Freddy? And she responds with, he's not home. I'm like, okay, so well, which is it? Does that, does nobody live there? Does Freddie live there? What? I mean, you're already contradicting yourself. <laughs> That's why the dog pissed on his grave, right? It's like, what the he hell? He set the story straight. <laughs> Suddenly, in the in the sidewalk chalk drawing, we see Freddie in the window, and uh, for plot reasons, Kristen gets sucked into the house. <laughs> like, it's better than in than the end of the first one, though. It is, but it's like, okay, so. You're compelled to go into the house, even though you know Freddy's around, and you're standing outside in the sun, and you're just like, into the house I go. Why? <clears throat> it's like, oh, Lord, just stay the fuck away from that house. <laughs> Once inside, of course, she's trapped, and shit starts getting weird. We see a tricycle falling down the stairs, and she goes to leave, but the front door leads right back inside again on a loop. Um, I like how, how Kristen says... Be calm, Kristen. You know, just so the audience would know this is supposed to be Kristen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's clearly not Kristen. I hate when they, <clears throat> when like, they recast mm-hmm. actors. Unless they can explain it away, in, like, for, with plot reasons. Mm-hmm. I'm like, like, for my, my favorite example is in uh, the Ninja Turtles cartoon for Nickelodeon. It was, um, oh my god, I can't remember the dude from... Uh, American Pie, the guy who fucked the pie. Jason Biggs. Jason Biggs, thank you. He played Leonardo throughout the the first two seasons, and then Seth Green took over in the third season. And so obviously they're going to sound different. And there's they have this huge fight with Shredder in the end of season two, and Leonardo gets extremely injured. Like, he mm-hmm. gets choked out. And, like, when he eventually starts to heal, you know, they're like, why does he sound different? And they're like, we think he's, you know, his vocal cords have been damaged it's like oh okay like you're at least explaining it away yeah like friday the 13th tommy jarvis is three different people this is true and Mm -hmm. i get it i get it Corey feldman was too young Mm -hmm. but keep the same tommy keep the same like older tommy jarvis i don't know though tom matthews versus that dude from part five tom matthews is a way better tommy jarvis yeah But um, actually, uh, speaking of, of actors being replaced, um, what's his nuts who's playing Kang? Yeah, they're going to have a hard time with that. Yeah, well, from what I've heard, they're, they're planning on, if they do need to replace him, they're going to use some timey-wimey alternate universe nonsense. Well, you remember how Ant-Man and ended? Yeah, like, exactly. With uh, thousands of mm-hmm. Kang that look like him? You just totally spoiled for people. <laughs> Well, people that listen to this don't watch. That's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> I do, movies. and I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> well, well, it's all over the news because he's. He, how well, much did you watch Loki? Movie? Yes. Okay. Well, we kind of know what's going on then. But okay. 
Timey wimey. Not to get <laughs> off subject, but in Loki, at least, the different variants, different looking people. They right. Marvel fucked up by making all his variants look like him. True, true. But I think they're still going to play around with it. The there's rumor that Terry Crews might play one of the variants, and I'm I'm kind of all for that. I think that's kind of awesome. You son of a bitch, take my money. I'm like I kind of like the idea of Terry Crews playing Kang at one point. So Patricia Arquette from Wish. Yeah, exactly. So be calm. Be calm. Be, be calm, Kristen. Um, after a few more tricks, we get some shadow tree fingers, like where we see, like, no. like the fingers on the wall. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. she looks up, it's, it's the tree going like, hello, just kind of waving its little paw. Because <laughs> <laughs> trees have paws. Um, I'm picturing my dog dressed as a tree. <laughs> and then the fucking window explodes for she no reason. She on herself. Oh, she would. <laughs> She'd be very confused. Very. <laughs> But Kristen takes off and finds herself in a boiler room with chains everywhere. She hears the claws scratching on the pipes and uses her dream powers to call out to Joey and Kincaid. Joey, Kincaid! <laughs> Joey, Kincaid! So now I got a problem here. We see Kincaid is asleep at his desk. He wakes up. He goes, huh? And he looks around. Now in part three, the same exact thing happens with Nancy. She wakes up. But then she faints. Like, mm-hmm. she falls back asleep, yeah. and that's when she falls into the dream. Kincaid is up looking around, and he's like, no, 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 and just gets sucked into the wall. <laughs> so, is he asleep or is he awake? What the fuck's happening here? This is going to be a fun episode, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> and the poor dog, named Jason, is like, fuck that, and hides under the bed. <laughs> so, anyway... <laughs> Kincaid and Joey get sucked into her dream, and they're pissed, complaining that she needs to stop doing this. Freddy's dead, yada, yada, yada. They won. They tap the pipes. Yeah. Joey's like, it's cold. Touch it, touch it. He's like, the boiler's cold. Feel it. Mm. (laughs) So. What if it wasn't? What if it I know, right? (laughs) What if it, oops, sorry. Here, feel this one. Oops, sorry. (laughs) Stop burning yourself. Stop burning yourself. (laughs) Kristen is convinced that Freddy is coming back for them, but yeah, Joey shows her the boiler is cold. He said he's dead and gone. Suddenly, Kincaid's dog jumps out of the furnace and bites Kristen. Everyone wakes up with a start. Kincaid sees his dog has blood on his mouth, and Kristen wakes up with a pretty nasty wound on her arm, and then wraps it really badly. Mm-hmm. You notice that she took, like, the knotted-up blanket and was just like, I'm just going to wrap it. <laughs> like, what the fuck? She didn't take first aid in CPR. Apparently not. So the next day we see Kristen going to her boyfriend's house before school where we meet her boyfriend Rick and his sister Alice as well as their moody drunk father. And now we have cat interruption number two as Bella is investigating Maurice. (laughs) Wow. Wow, you're a pussy magnet. I know, seriously. (laughs) She's just like, I'm going to chill right here. Oh, now she's coming over to you. Yeah, (laughs) she already scratched at me once, so. What are you doing, Bella? We got we got important things to do. What do you think about this entry in the franchise? Oh, oh and man. the brother's climbing out the window because it's no contact day or something. Yeah, because his dad has a hangover. Um, so it's like, yeah, we we meet Alice and right away realize she's extremely mousy and very like kind of a, a shrinking violet type. Mm-hmm. Um, Violette. Violette. And her dad is very overbearing and pretty much a prick. Um. Whereas Rick is bombastic and zany. You know what he reminded me of? Is he Shaggy. 
<laughs> he reminded me of like someone really trying to do their best Christian Slater impression from Heather's. Yes. <laughs> he was very much that dude. Yes. <laughs> Even his cadence, like when he was speaking, uh-huh. it was very Christian Slater. But they probably couldn't afford Christian Slater either, so <laughs> get the guy from Slimeball. Sorority <laughs> babes in Slimeball Ballorama. We got Patricia Arquette from Wish. Now we got Christian <laughs> Slater from Wish. Right. It all works. So we cut to the trio arriving at school where we meet two more of their friends, Debbie, a fitness fanatic with a fear of bugs, and Sheila, the nerdy smart girl with asthma. And of dun, course, dun, dun. And of course, the dreamy and hunky Dan. <laughs> Jock. Alice is Oh my god, Alice's daydream about Dan is so fucking cringy. I can't stand it. It was a simpler time. She's like, you know, you are one major league hunk. Like, <laughs> No. Listeners, if you could have seen Mike's face when he said that, <laughs> you would you would have nightmares. <laughs> A nightmare on your street. Of me going major league hunk. <laughs> oh, 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 Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm joking. All right, I'm alive. <clears throat> but this introduces a very important plot thread of Alice always daydreaming. That she's too afraid to actually act on things. Uh, we also get a ridiculous scene where Sheila takes a hit on her inhaler and some random jock goes, Hey baby, you're <laughs> sucking on the wrong <laughs> nozzle. And Debbie goes, Yo, needle dick, I bet you're the only male at this school that suffers from penis envy. I'm like, you know, needle dick, pencil dick, and the like need to be used more. We, yeah. we don't use those enough anymore. <laughs> Bring them back. But... Once inside school, uh, Joey and Kincaid confront Kristen about pulling them into her, into her dream again last night. They basically tell her they're getting tired of this, and basically implying that it's been happening for a really long time after the events of Part 3. Uh, she warns them again that she's sure Freddy's coming back for them, but Joey and Kincaid are convinced that they won and it's over and she needs to let it rest. As the kids go to class, we see these ominous red glowing scratches across the lockers. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. So Freddy coming. Um, later that night, Alice at, at Alice and Rick's house, we see Alice washing the dishes and Rick in his garage gym doing a kata montage, because it's the 80s and you gotta have a montage. <laughs> the Karate Rocky. Kid montage. <laughs> Even Rocky had a montage. Of course. But we do got the good Dramarama song on, so. True. That's all that matters. I mean, it's a good song, but he's just like, I'm going to do my little kata routine. Banzai. <laughs> I kept saying banzai. I was like... Is that offensive by today's standards? I don't, I don't know. So. It's a tree. I mean, no, yelling, I but I... Like, it, it probably is. I don't, think it, I don't think it means anything bad. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know. Look in Urban Dictionary. Don't. <laughs> it means something, I'm sure. I'm on it. <laughs> but Dad comes home looking miserable and drunk. We find out that this is a very regular thing. Alice puts his dinner in front of him, and he immediately starts bitching about how it's not enough of a meal after a 10-hour day. And he's going, what is all this vegetation? You think I'm a rabbit? And then he goes, makes the little rabbit face. Yeah. This leads to Alice chewing him out about how sick she is of watching him drink his life away and then taking it out on her and her brother. Only this doesn't happen, and we find out that once again she's been daydreaming and wishes she could have said all that. Well, now she was nightdreaming. Well, that's true. It's, yeah. <laughs> but we cut to Kincaid lying in bed along with his dog, Jason. 
Uh oh, <laughs> she found something. I did. This is this is the one we want. This is the one we want on the air. When a girl goes beyond her own ability, trying to take too much dick in her mouth at one time, while giving a guy head, surpassing her gag reflex, and vomiting chunks and stomach acids on the shaft, balls, and general male reproductive region, yelling "Bonsai!" Ugh! Mm-hmm. That's fucking foul. Dude, this hot chick was giving me head last night, and she just bonsai all over my raging 10-inch boner. <laughs> that what definition was given by In Your Mouth on May 5th, 2010. Sure. Of course it was. <laughs> this is another good one. Sound made when jumping from high heights like the Empire State Building. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Urban Dictionary, man. Oh, life is better with it. It's such a wacky place. We'll go with a PG... That it means planted in a container. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, he was planting something in a container. So. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, ca- the container couldn't hold it. Yep, exactly. But, uh, so yeah, we see Kincaid and his dog lying in bed asleep. Kincaid opens his eyes to find himself locked in the trunk of a car. He forces the door open. and <laughs> I'm sorry. I know this wasn't supposed to be funny, but he goes, This ain't my dreamland! And I fucking lost it. I just... I yeah. don't know why that line of dialogue it just hits me but it's just so absurd to me that it's funny (laughs) but he looks around and we see he's in the junkyard from part three his dog jason is digging frantically in the dirt kincaid's stunt double jumps down from the stack of cars (laughs) because it's very clearly a stunt double and not ken sagos and (laughs) kind of does like a little tuck and roll and then approaches the dog the dog starts growling and snarling at him the dog then pisses fire, which causes the ground to split open, showing Freddy's skeleton, which begins reforming in a pretty awesome sequence. Like, aside from the mm. fire piss, mm-hmm. this sequence of Freddy's bones clicking back together and, and growing muscle and tissue, that was cool. Um, although the eyes always look silly when we see that. It's like, yeah, whoop, <laughs> they just, like, fill up. But, uh... So Jason runs and Kincaid watches in horror as Freddy reaches up out of the grave before he runs as well. We do get a really fantastic reveal shot as we see Freddy's shadow at like the, the top of the shadow and it kind of pans along and then up his body. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just kind of he just smiles and says, you shouldn't have buried me. I'm not dead yet. And I was like, oh, that's a really fantastic introduction to the movie. Mm-hmm. And so... Kincaid then throws a stack of cars onto Freddy, crushing him. Whilst take ex- that, motherfucker. I was going to say, whilst excitedly yelling, Woohoo, yeah, take that, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> he was so happy. <laughs> and suddenly cars all around him begin sp- spitting fire and exploding and crashing into each other, causing Kincaid to run deeper into the maze of the junkyard. He screams out to Kristen that Freddy's back as the camera pans out to an awesome matte painting of the entire world covered by the giant junkyard maze. This is one of those add-it-to-the-coffee-table book of matte paintings that I wish we had. (laughs) It looks so fucking cool. I love it. But cut back to Kincaid. Freddy grabs him and stabs him in the gut with his claws. Kincaid says, I'll see you in hell, to which Freddy responds, tell him Freddy sent you before pushing the claws in further and killing him. So one down, two to go. We see Kristen sitting up smoking, avoiding sleep, and then cut over to Joey doing his best Glenn impression from Nightmare on Elm Street 1, where he's lying in bed, listening to music, reading a magazine, and somehow watching TV all at the same time. Yep. Mm-hmm. We was, also It was the 80s. Yeah, that's what you do. <clears throat> we also see a very scantily clad poster of a hot blonde. 
She'll be important in a moment. <laughs> Slowly he begins to doze off, and then suddenly his waterbed starts shaking all over the place. He pulls back his blankets to see a topless blonde under underwater in his bed. Now, okay, I get it, horny teenage boy. But is your first thought really gonna be yay boobies or Jesus Christ, she's gonna drown in my bed? <laughs> Cause that's Mom, could be so mad? That's kind of where my mind went. Like, Jesus Christ, get her out of there. And <coughs> I have never had a waterbed. Mm-hmm. Do they even make them anymore? No. Okay. I, I th- they don't make them anymore? No. Really? I, I had one. No, I... Are they really clear? You can get clear ones, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm. They have to make them. No, I'm sure they, they do. Water, no. look, look up on Google and see if you can buy a waterbed. I am 100% positive they still make them. There's no reason that they would stop making them. Um, but yeah, the one I had was like this green vinyl material, but they they do have the clear ones. I know that. Huh. So, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, it's that would freak me the fuck out. <laughs> like, oh, I guess they still they just do there. still make uh, wire beds. Yeah, I was gonna say I can't I couldn't imagine them not making them. They they are here's the thing, they're comfy. But if the heater ever goes, they suck because oh. it's freezing. And I love how everyone's like, oh, six in a water bed. No, don't. Just don't try it. This is not fun. <laughs> I feel like I'd get, I feel like it would bonsai. I was going to say. You get seasick. It, it's very um, <clears throat> hard to keep coordination, let's just say, <laughs> on one of those. So the more you know. Anyway, so Joey's freaking out over Naked Lady in his water bed. And then she, I love it, she kind of swims away, like, into the depths of the bed. And he's like, hey, where are you going? <laughs> like, dude, she's got to breathe. Like, and suddenly, Freddy jumps out of the bed and grabs Joey and says, how's this for a wet dream? <laughs> Before dunking him underwater and stabbing him. Bye-bye, Joey. One of his best quips. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know... The Glenn death was way better. Oh, it was. It totally was. But it's like, man, Joey just can't catch a break. The first chick he's attracted to, she spits tongues at him. The second chick he's attracted <laughs> to, kills him in his waterbed. Like, <laughs> just can't catch a break. But cut to Alice in her room, happily looking at tons of photos of her friends and family completely covering her mirror. Rick comes in and comments that it kind of defeats the purpose of having a mirror if you can't see yourself in it. And she tells him that she doesn't want to. That'll become important later. Alice comments to her brother that her that her dad wouldn't treat the, that their dad would not treat them that way if their mom were still alive. Rick tries to tell her that she needs to learn to stand up for herself, and we get this ridiculous scene where he's trying to show her how to do a standing jump kick, which results in her flinging her shoe off into the fish tank. I love when she she first jumps, she's like ha, ah! <laughs> and her whole body just kind of shimmies. <clears throat> oh my god. So now we cut over to Joey's mom and uh, going into his room to wake him up, cleaning up his laundry and complaining about him leaving the TV on before finally pulling back the bed covers to reveal his corpse somehow trapped in the waterbed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she screams and we cut away to Kristen smoking outside school. So now I, I always wonder this with horror flicks, like seriously, especially in the Nightmare franchise, when people die in these fucking absurd fashions, like what happens to the people who find the body? Like, how do you come back from that? Like, how the fuck did he get in the bed? Like, wouldn't that just haunt you for the rest of your mm-hmm. life? How do you explain that to the cops? Right! <laughs> like, 
911, what's your emergency? My dead son's in the water bed. <laughs> he's, he's on the, no, he's in the fucking bed. He got in the bed and drowned somehow. <laughs> but the water's all red. <laughs> and, and there's not a drop of water on the, on the bed sheets. I'm confused. There's also a blonde woman in there with him. <laughs> and a burnt man. No, that blonde woman was pretty. <laughs> I'm, oh. so, I'm sorry, ma'am. What kind of drugs are you on right now? <laughs> but, like, I always thought that about the first movie, like, when Glenn was, like, pureed in the bed hole. <laughs> like, bed hole. What did the parents think after that? Like, their son was turned into soup <laughs> in a hole in the bed. That then vomited onto the ceiling. Like, how do you come back from that? You don't. It's, it's fucking nuts. So, so yeah, next time you're watching a horror movie where a really absurd death happens, question how people come back from that. I'm going to wait to take a sip. <laughs> so Alice comes up to Kristen. Kristen tells her that she can't find Joey and Kincaid and she's getting worried. Because, you know, God forbid somebody has a sick day. I know, right? <laughs> she then looks at Alice and comments, We have matching luggage, pointing out the bags under her eyes and asks if she had a nightmare as well, to which Alice confirms she did. Kristen goes off about how much she hates dreaming, but Alice tells her that she loves to dream, she just hates the ones about her dad. Kristen asks her how she handles her nightmares, and Alice tells her that her mom taught her when she was little. She says that it's something called the Dream Master. And, like, citing an old rhyme, which uh, doesn't explain anything yet, or ever in this fucking movie, um, which I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to talk more about the Dream Master in a bit, but Jesus Christ, that thing annoyed the hell out of me. <laughs> she then tells Kristen to, uh, to just dream about someplace fun and reminds her that she's the one in control. Kristen asks how she knows so much about dreams, to which Alice responds, when it's all you have, you become an expert. <laughs> so, oh, cat interruption number three. <laughs> These guys are all over you two today. So Kristen and Alice go to class. Kristen sees that both Joey and Kincaid's seats are empty and has an all-out panic attack, screaming that Freddie killed them. Now, there's also a little thing. Did you notice that Rick was talking about Kafka? No. Yeah, so he's talking about Kafka in that sequence to one of the other kids in class. And I'm like, ha, the whole Roach sequence later. Yeah. Um, but Rick tries to calm her down. And when he can't, he bashes her head against the wall to shut her the fuck up. Not really, but that's how it looked. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he's shaking her, then suddenly she hits the wall. I was like, oh damn, that's one way, okay. But she wakes up in the nurse's office to Robert England and drag. <laughs> that's where Heath Ledger got that in Batman. Re- in Batman yeah, in yeah. the, uh, the Dark Knight. The yeah. Dark Knight, yes. <laughs> it's, it's such a great sequence, like... Robert Englund's like, you had a nasty pup, me dear. Like, mm. It's Robert Englund and Mrs. <laughs> Doubtfire. It's amazing. In a nurse's outfit. Mm-hmm. An old-tiny nurse's outfit. With fucking smelling salts and, like, huge red nails. Yeah. But, like, it's, are smelling salts even a thing anymore? Like, mm-hmm. do people still use those? Yeah, athletes use them. Okay. For what? When you get, like, when you get hit or something, you get your senses knocked out of you, you... Yeah, it'll, it, it, I, I've only ever once had had smelled those, and oh, holy shit, yeah, they, mm-hmm. they kick you into high gear. Hmm. It's crazy. Like cocaine. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> it's medical cocaine. 
Um, but of course, you know, this sequence turns out to be a dream sequence as nurse turn as a nurse turns into Freddy and says, I want to draw some blood and <laughs> squirts a syringe full of water. She wakes up again, this time to the real nurse who explains that she bumped her head and will be fine. So now we cut to the Crave Inn Diner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see what you did? Don't sit on my phone. Oh, she's just determined to sit right in front of you. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is where uh, both Alice and Debbie work. And Dan and one of his meathead buddies come in. Dan asks Alice if she's seen Rick around. And she explains that he stayed after school to, see, to be with Kristen. Uh, so Dan asks her to relay a message to him. that he's Saying that, you know, hey, can you let him know I'm looking for him? Alice agrees with a big old dopey grin. By the way, my name is Dan. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty accurate to how he said it in the movie, too. <laughs> and I've got legs. <laughs> what kind of man? You've got no legs. <laughs> I play foosball. <laughs> so the guy sits. Uh, oh. The guys sit down. Oh, she's heavier than I thought. Oh. <laughs> Uh, the guys sit down and Deb tells Alice, sorry, but your shift is over. They're my table now and proceeds to go and flirt while Sheila and Alice watch. Alice and Sheila discuss the upcoming test that they have and Alice laments of her about her lack of time to study. Sheila suggests that she's working too much, telling her you don't want to get stuck here waiting tables for the rest of your life, to which Alice responds that's her worst nightmare. Gee, mm. I wonder if that's going to come up later. <laughs> so much foreshadowing. I know, right? So Alice gets ready to leave, and Deb gushes about how hot Dan is, and or how hot Dan and his friend are, and Sheila scoffs. Deb tells her that one day her hormones will kick in, and Sheila tells Deb that one day she'll learn to appreciate her motto, mind over matter, which of course will also come back mm-hmm. later. Alice goes to leave right as Kristen and Rick come walking in and ask if she can help, or she can come with them. They explain that Kincaid and Joey died last night. So the three of them leave as Dan tags along behind, like, hey, wait up! How do you get the body out of the house when it's in the waterbed? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, there's so many questions about that damn waterbed death. Like, at least with Kincaid, it just looks like he had a heart attack in bed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, Jesus, that's that's obviously not likely for a freaking, you know, what, 17-year-old, 18-year-old? Yeah. But stranger things have happened, whereas dead in a waterbed. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> So they head over to 1428 Elm, where uh, Kristen kind of ominously tells them that it's Freddy's house and that she's a goner and she's just waiting for, or he's just waiting for her to sleep again. And in case uh, you're new to the franchise, Dan plays the role of the confused everyman, so Rick explains the Freddy backstory so everyone can can catch up. (laughs) Out of nowhere, Alice goes, Now I lay me down to sleep, the master of dreams, my soul I'll keep. Dream Master, I think I remember the rhyme. Okay? Like, <laughs> what? There's something they were talking about on the right there. <laughs> it's just... This whole, I like cheese! This whole Dream Master nonsense pisses me off. Because it's like, alright. If you want to... If you're referring to Freddy as the Dream Master, okay, it makes sense. But no, that's not what they're referring to. They're referring to Alice as the Dream Master. Like, that's what the, the titular Dream Master is. So, they, they introduce it in this movie, and it goes fucking nowhere. Like, it never comes up again anywhere in the mythos. <laughs> it's like... And why is it so loved? It doesn't make sense. But anyway. <laughs> I 
like, it pisses me off. Suddenly, Kristen's mom pulls up and yells at her to get away from that spooky old house and get your ass home. On delay. Go on, get. <laughs> and then drives away angrily. Rick tells Kristen that he'll talk to her tonight, and they all, they all go to leave. Before leaving, Alice looks down and sees the chalk drawing on the sidewalk from Kristen's dream in the beginning. She then looks again, and it's gone. Why? <laughs> like, I thought that could only happen in the dream. They're all awake. Why did that happen? <laughs> like, I, lo- I love how people cite part two as going against, like, the rest of the franchise. Because Freddy came out into the into the real world. Mm-hmm. Every single entry has him fucking with the real world. It's <laughs> like, I don't get it. <coughs> so annoying. As they leave, we see a POV shot of someone watching from inside the old house. So are they trying to imply that Freddy is actually in there? Like, that he's, like, still hanging out from when he left Jesse's place? Like, in part two? No, it's actually Dr. Loomis. Is <laughs> it? He had the blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. <laughs> I love this idea that Dr. Loomis is in the wrong house. <laughs> oh my god, raised by rentals. There's an idea for this an to happen. <laughs> well, since it's my idea, I guess you gotta, gotta come do it. up. <laughs> Holy shit, that is so funny. <laughs> because again, they both take place. I know that. They don't take place in California, but they're both fucking filmed in California. So, oh shit! I'm picturing Doctor Loomis hobbling away because he's like, "Oh, wrong house." <laughs> it's like Donald Pleasant's just like, "Is this my line? When do I come out of the house?" They're like, "You got the wrong movie, dude." Oh fuck! Michael's down the street. <coughs> I'm coming for you. Uh, Fucking Dr. Loomis. Oh. Nav in the same studio. I know, exactly. <laughs> New line and dimension. <laughs> oh, shit, that's funny. <clears throat> oh. So, anywho. Perhaps I shouldn't drink any more water during this <laughs> <recording>. <laughs> Oh. So we cut to Kristen and, uh, Kristen and Mom at home eating dinner. Oh, but Mom <laughs> drugs her. Yeah. She straight up roofies her own kid. Because mm-hmm. Kristen gets all woozy and she's like, what happened? And she's like, you're fine. You just need some sleep. And she's like cutting her meat. Mm. She's like, did you put pills in my food? <laughs> you just killed me. She's like, you just murdered me, mother. Because <laughs> you and your tennis pals decided to torture man. Mm. <laughs> Oh my god. She then so she's drugged up and she runs upstairs to her bedroom looking for what? Like she just goes in the closet and starts rifling through clothes and then through her underwear drawer to keep herself awake probably. Yeah. But she's just like spinning around the room <laughs> yanking clothes out of places <laughs> and then falls over, grabs her phone and is like, "Alice, oh, dream of someplace fun." <laughs> she falls over and it's like what? He sounded like Dr. Loomis trying to sound like a woman. <laughs> I still got Donald Loomis on the Donald in drag. <laughs> we already had Robert Anglin. <laughs> oh, Sookie, Sookie. Sookie! Sookie! Lord Almighty. So, she passes out. She opens her eyes to find herself on a bright and sunny beach, where she sees the little girl from the beginning of the movie building a sandcastle. 
Kristen asks her her name, and she tells her it's Alice. Kristen says that she has a friend named Alice, and the girl giggles and continues to build her sandcastle. Suddenly, we see a Freddy glove fin breach the water and start zooming toward the beach. Freddy shark doo doo doo. <laughs> Accurate as fuck. <laughs> oh, I actually would have preferred Freddy shark to what we got here. <laughs> but suddenly, the Freddy fin glove cuts through the, the sand and starts zooming toward him. It hits the sandcastle and explodes, revealing Freddy. Alice runs, but ends up trapped in quicksand. Freddy smiles, puts on some sunglasses, and stomps her on the head until she's under the sand. <laughs> Very reminiscent of, uh, in Creepshow. Yeah. <laughs> now, I do have to say, I really do like the transition here. Because she sinks through the sand and, like, breaks out of the ceiling in the dining room in 1428 Elm. But she's trapped on the ceiling, like Lionel Richie. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't trapped. That was R. Kelly, trapped in the closet. That's true. He was dancing on the ceiling. I imagine once you're dancing on the ceiling, you got to figure out how you're going to get back down from there. (laughs) But, so she slowly, like, kind of scoots along the ceiling and then does, like, a flip out the door where she's right side up again. Um, I mean, it's it's dumb, but it's a cool-looking sequence. So she makes her way down to the boiler room, and the pipes are no longer cold. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. Freddie confronts her uh, as the last of the Elm Street brats and says, uh, tells her to say farewell. He taunts her, trying to get her to use her powers to pull in another friend. Now, she tells him, I'm the last. It ends with me. So she knows, she's fully aware that after this, Freddie can't get any more kids. So she pulls Alice into her dream. <laughs> and also, why is Alice asleep at like five in the afternoon? Because, like, she got drugged at dinner, and, like, it was sunny out, and we just yeah. see Alice, like, in full bed clothes. <laughs> like, why, why does El, or Kristen get pissed at Alice when she's the one that called her into the dream? I know, right? Like, what the fuck? That did not make sense. It, none of this does. So Alice comes into the dream, and, of course, we get the now iconic line from Freddy of how sweet fresh meat. Hmm. Kristen tries to wake up Alice, yelling, Why did you come here? It's like, bitch, you brought me. Mm-hmm. And she she smacks her a couple times and is like, Oh, I'm sorry. Wake up. But he, also, he, makeup. he also uses that line in Freddy vs. Jason. Well, he says, How how sweet dark me. Yeah. Because he says it to... Um, well, he says it to... Uh, Kelly Rowland. Kelly, Kelly Rowland, yep. yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's a couple in, in Freddy vs. Jason. There's a few tweaked lines from mm-hmm. previous films. But... Um, None of Jason's. Gotta be... <laughs> Where the people are. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. Jason still has his... <sighs> just breathing heavy. <laughs> oh, and he gurgles a few times. That's true. <laughs> but Freddy begins taunting Alice, and Kristen runs to attack him. He grabs her and throws her into boiling, flaming water, killing her. Now... Freddy rips open his sweater, revealing the faces on his chest as Kristen's soul joins the others. With Linnea Quigley. No, not yet. That's at the end. That's oh, at that's the end. right. That's, that's the right. end. Um, so Kristen yells to Alice, you'll need my power. And a blast of white light shoots from Freddy into Alice, forcing her to wake up. Why? So I'm just going to get into it right fucking here. Ooh, he's about to put his notes down, <laughs> I'm putting my notes down. 
Why the fuck does Kristen give Alice her power? It helps nothing. Like but all, it does. It helps the franchise to continue. <laughs> but all it does is like it helps her to feed Freddy because see he can't get to any of the other kids, and Alice didn't have that power. Yep. So now she's just like, oh, I got your power. Now I can feed you Debbie and Sheila and everybody else. Right. Like what the fuck? It's I, it's such a glaring plot hole to me. It drives me crazy. Your mom's a glaring plot hole. <laughs> So Alice wakes up and looks around her bedroom and sees a photo on the mirror of Freddie holding Kristen that says, Greetings from Hell. She grabs it from the mirror, revealing the reflection of her eyes, which is the first of many pieces of reflection we'll see. And the picture bursts into flames as Freddie cackles in the distance. Rick comes, <coughs> in, Rick comes in to check on Alice, and she tells him that they have to get to Kristen's house and rushes past him. Cut to the two arriving at Kristen's house, where it's clear from the outside that her room is on fucking fire. (laughs) They rush inside where Mom, who was already in the house, is shocked to find out her daughter's room is a raging inferno. (laughs) How did she not know? Was she drunk too? Was she laying on the couch with a bunch of sleeping pills? (laughs) She was having sex with the guy. Oh, wait, that was the last one. <laughs> that was part three. <laughs> with the, where's the fucking bourbon? <laughs> but, yeah, like, how, this, even as a kid, this didn't make sense to me. I'm like, well, how come she didn't know the room was on fire? What the fuck? Maybe she thought she just burned dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, no, that's burning daughter. <laughs> Jesus. That's what's for dinner. <laughs> so we, we see them freaking out as Kristen's body burns on the bed. Smash cut to the graveyard where we see Kincaid, Joey, Nancy, and now Kristen's gravestones. All of the Elm Street children are dead. Well, at least they're all the other. This is true. <laughs> cut to Alice watching a video of her and her friends, including Kristen. Simpler times. I guess that was. Uh, I guess that scene was improv. Yeah, this whole bit of dialogue yeah. between the two of them because uh, the script didn't make any sense. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and Reddy Harlan had really bad English. Yeah. So, Rick comes in and asks why she's watching the video. She tells him that it's comforting, and he laments that he should have stayed with Kristen, that he could have stopped this from happening. Alice tells him there was nothing he could have done, that she saw it happen in her dream. Rick gets angry, telling her to drop the Freddy bullshit, that he heard it all from Kristen and doesn't want to hear it from her, too. Alice presses on, explaining that she could smell the smoke and feel the heat. Again, (laughs) how do you explain to the police that my daughter's room was on fire? (laughs) Sorry, officer, I took a shitload of sleeping pills after I drugged my daughter. <laughs> like, the homeowner's insurance is going to have questions, too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Rick asks her why she's acting so different, and she, she tells him she's not sure. But ever since Kristen died, it's like a piece of her is part of Alice now. End of Act One. What are you guys thinking? <sighs> It's very confusing. <laughs> There's some good dialogue, some good quips, some pretty cool kills. They don't make junkyards like they used to. But <laughs> very, very confusing. You guys already heard my rant. I'm I am angry with the the, the crux of the plot. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any damn sense. Movie's got a movie. It does. Also, why is Kristen like okay? I get. Kristen's dream power is to bring everybody into her dreams. Alice obviously gets that power when Kristen, for whatever reason, is able to throw it like a beach ball over to her. 
Like, I'm dead now. Take my power. Um, I've got the power. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, what was that Nintendo thing? Now you're playing power. Exactly. Nintendo which, power. Which Freddy does in part six. Yes, he does. <laughs> he says, now I'll play with power. Um, <laughs> and you forgot the power glove. But, um, so why is Alice's dream power to collect the powers and personalities of her friends? <laughs> like, that's a real shitty dream power. My dream power comes into play when you die. Mm-hmm. Like, wait, what? Well, she won't be a shriveling violet anymore. I guess that's why she's the dream master, because she collects souls, too. <laughs> so fucking dumb. <laughs> but... It's for the good of the horde. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, Act 2 picks up here. Uh, the next day at school, we see she, uh, Sheila run into Alice in the bathroom, who makes a comment that uh, they have matching luggage. So, she gets the same comment that Kristen was saying. So, oh, Alice is changing. Sheila explains that she was up all night studying for the exam and making this device for Deb that uses ultra-high-frequency sound waves that'll scare bugs away. Hmm. Gee, I wonder if that's going to play a role later. Let's just call it Chekhov's sci-fi bug gun. <laughs> Sheila leaves and Alice goes to light a cigarette and then stops herself saying, I don't smoke. Dun, dun, dun. So in case you didn't get it from the line of repeated dialogue, we're going to keep calling it out. So we cut to them uh, in class. The students are quietly taking their exam. Sheila is looking at her paper when suddenly all of the numbers begin swirling around on the page and turn into the words, learning is fun with Freddy. That always happened to me when I was trying to do a <laughs> test. The words would just scramble. That's more, probably why I failed so more much. Words like, fuck. That's yeah. probably why I failed so many tests. So were you just like, A, A, B, 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 C, A? Just yeah, like... then, then they would magically, you know, transfer other places. And, <laughs> and make up words. So like, I, I had the right like, answers, but then when that happened, I... End up failing. Yep. Like, cab. <laughs> Abacab. <laughs> Mortal Kombat blood code. Um, D, all of the above. When in doubt, go with C. Exactly. <laughs> so, we, she looks around the room and we see Alice is asleep in the seat next to her. Meaning that Alice brought her into her dream using Kristen's powers. So, again, how does this fucking power help anybody? <laughs> Sheila's pen starts to drip blood on the page. She looks around and sees that Alice is now staring at her, looking scared. She goes to wipe the blood away, and, a ha- and her hand gets sucked into the page, like into the desk. Alice goes to help her, but bars lock her in the seat, and so and the same thing on Sheila's desk. Like <coughs> these bars wrap around their chairs, locking them in place. So you couldn't stand up and like you know knock everything over. Right, you couldn't like wriggle out. <laughs> they were skinny. I know, right? I mean, my fat ass is already locked into one of those chairs when I sit down, but, you know. No bars for me. (laughs) So, then suddenly a weird robo-hand pops out of the desk and grabs Sheila by the face and just kind of shakes her. Hmm. Like, what was that? Like, the fucking Terminator popped up and was just like, (laughs) just like, shook her head. It's Dr. Loomis. (laughs) Dr. Loomis pokes out, I'm the right movie! (laughs) I'm picturing a drawing of this. (laughs) Why is Dr. Loomis so fucking funny? I don't know. When Freddy says, want to suck face, Dr. Loomis appears. (laughs) Freddy's like, wrong movie. (laughs) It's like, oh, he has the blackest eyes. (laughs) He has the burnest flesh. (laughs) The sharpest claws. (laughs) 
Oh, Lord Almighty. Oh, breathe. <laughs> so the Robohan then just re- retreats back into the page again for, like, no reason. So Alice is yelling at Sheila to wake up. And from the front of the room, we see Freddy sitting there at the teacher's desk, cutting an apple with his claws. He slowly approaches Sheila. He grabs her and says, want to suck face? She says no, and then bam, he's on top of her, sucking the life out of her. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Until she's an emaciated husk, and then drops her to the desk going, you flunked. <laughs> In the waking world, Sheila has a fatal asthma attack, and Alice is zapped with the power or with the powers of her dead friend as she dies. So, uh, this part sucks. Why do you gotta kill the nerd? I know, right? I actually like Sheila. I did too. Yeah. But, the, now I mentioned this in episode three, um, but this is the sequence I was talking about where when Robert Englund went to go kiss, uh, what's the her actress? name? Uh, New, Newkirk or whatever her last name is. Yeah, his dentures fell into her mouth. Oh my God. And they were like filled with like crud and whatever he ate the craft service table that day. And she was like, it almost made me throw up. She almost bonsai. Because her, her first on-screen kiss was Robert England being like, bleh, like into her mouth like a baby bird. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, oh, it's so fucking gross. <laughs> 17. Never heard anyone die in a fatal asthma attack at 17. She died from Robert England's dentures. Mm-hmm. She's like, and I'm out. That's it. <clears throat> I give up. So they had to write her out of the script because she quit. <laughs> She's like, I ain't doing that again. But we got to the paramedics taking away Sheila as Alice, Deb, Rick, and Dan all watch. Deb makes the comment that you just said, like, what kind of 17-year-old dies of fatal asthma? I also like how they don't put her in a body bag. It's just a stretcher with a sheet. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, like, yeah, they all saw her die. Fuck it, they're already scarred. No, no need to dirty a bag. <laughs> so Alice tries to tell them that it was Freddy, and that she, then she realizes that it was her dream, and she tells them that she brought Sheila into the dream and gave her to Freddy. She freaks out and runs away. Dan comments to Rick that the, he's like, hey, I think this Freddy story is really getting to her. And Rick's like, I don't know if it's a story anymore, man. Like, so doing his best Christian Slater impression. And he points out, he's like, look at us, we're dropping like flies. And then he runs after his sister. Which, again, that's the sequence where I'm like, dude, you really want to be Christian Slater from Heather's. You got the long black coat on, like, it's bad. (laughs) But back at Alice and Rick's house, we see Alice putzing around with the bug blaster that Sheila made for Deb. Which is all kinds of fucked up. Like, Alice knew that that was made for Deb, and Deb is still alive. But as soon as Sheila died, she was like, yoink, this is mine now. I'm going to win the science fair. (laughs) Right? Like, dude, you fucking klepto, give it back. (laughs) So she looks at her mirror and takes down the picture of herself and Sheila, revealing even more reflection. Do we see the theme yet? Huh? Alice and the looking glass? McFly, hello. <laughs> I just I hate how heavy handed. If you don't get it, you'll get it later on. Oh, when he says welcome to Wonderland, yeah, Alice. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't get it by now, you'll get it. Oh, he'll hand it to you. <laughs> exactly. There's no fucking subtlety in this movie. That night at the diner, Dan comes in to talk with Alice. He comments that he hasn't seen her around lately, and she tells him that she's been pulling double shifts. He comments that she must need the money, and she tells him, you know why, you just don't believe me. And comments that if she sleeps, someone might die. 
Dan says, okay, let's say this is real. Why is this Freddy guy after you? She explains... Kristen gave me her death powers. <laughs> She's like, well, Kristen was the last of the, the Elm Street... Or the last of the children of the people who murdered him. Maybe Freddy can't get to the new kids without someone bringing them to him. So again, if you weren't paying attention, she fucking spells out the giant plot hole for you. Mm-hmm. Like, proving that they fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan's middle-aged date comes in and yells at him. <laughs> Did you see how old that lady looked in comparison? She was she like was his like mom. It's mm. like, Dan, we're gonna be late for the pictures. Mm. Come on, Danny. <laughs> Did you get my gum? Mm. <laughs> I put my dentures in just for you. Mm. But I'll take them out later. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. <laughs> oh god. So Dan tells her goodbye and leaves. The next day at school, we see Rick and Dan talking in the locker room. Rick looks like shit and is barely awake. He tells Dan how he's been staying up with Alice, who still blames herself for what happened to Sheila. Rick laments that if only he had believed Kristen, maybe he could have stopped it. And he tells Dan, if I'm next, watch your back, man. We cut to a very bored-looking Robert Shea teaching a class on dreams. Mm. He explains how Aristotle believed that when you sleep, your soul leaves your body and explores, and what you see are your dreams. Now, that's actually a really interesting uh, theory that I've, I've actually read about in dream studies before, mm-hmm. and my favorite place I've seen it used in a film is actually in the Insidious films, where yes. the kid's soul leaves... I was like, I really like that concept. Mm-hmm. But Well, there's something real cool about this movie. It is. It's, they, they took it from something else. Yeah. <laughs> but... But it does, ha- it does have a Shea in it. It has Lin Shea. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about how there are two gates that one can enter. One positive and one negative. A dream master guards the positive gate and protects the sleeping host. Because we really got to drive home that whole dream master plot that's going to go nowhere. <laughs> we see Alice is getting very sleepy. Uh-oh. Meanwhile, Rick falls asleep on a shitter. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. I mean, I've had my foot fall asleep, but I, not my whole body. I, I can say I have fallen asleep on the shitter at least once. Were you when drunk? I, I was really sick. Oh. And I kept, like, waking up and running to the can. And it was one of those, like, just kind of, like, leaning against the wall, like, oh, God, I feel like I'm going to die. <laughs> and just kind of passing out for a few minutes. It's not comfortable. But immediately a bunch of cheerleaders crowd in around him, giggling and watching him poo, along with Alice. <laughs> Rick stands up with mud butt. Mm. <laughs> There's always mud butt. There's always Always. Mud butt. And walks out of the stall where he sees Kristen standing by the mirror. In the reflection, we can see Rick still asleep on a shitter. Kristen turns into burnt Kristen and laughs at him, causing him to recoil back into the stall, which turns into an elevator and begins falling. When the elevator stops, it lets out Rick into what appears to be the Pure Moods commercial from the 90s. <laughs> oh my god, it is. <laughs> Or, or, uh, <laughs> this is at least Return the second time. At least the second time Pure Moods have been mentioned on this podcast. <laughs> it's either that or a dojo, one or the other. <laughs> but he looks around confused, and Invisible Freddy proceeds to kick his ass while taunting him that a true warrior needs no eyes. Mm. Eventually, Rick lands several blows and knocks Freddy's glove off. Rick gets cocky and starts taunting Freddy, but then the glove magically flies at Rick and stabs him in the belly, saying, Sayonara, Rick-san! 
<laughs> and kills him. <clears throat> In class, Alice lurches awake as she absorbs the power of her brother and screams, which causes the windows to explode <laughs> and scare the fuck out of all the students and the poor teacher who dives for cover. <laughs> How do you explain that to the police? <laughs> Watch that scene again and look particularly at the kid behind Alice. Oh my Because when she flails, he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> he looks terrified. It's so fucking funny. Well, maybe they, they, they didn't know about it. <laughs> I, she's going to scream. I wonder about stuff like that because in Nightmare 1, we see when Nancy wakes up yeah. screaming after she burns her arm in the in the class. Mm-hmm. They probably don't tell the, st- the not the stunt doubles, the, the extras act- that it's... You know, she's not going to scream. There's you this know, one black kid sitting kind of like behind and next <coughs> to her. He's got big glasses on. When she screams and flails around, he looks like he's going to run. Yeah. Like, he just kind of like puts his hands on the desk like, what the fuck's happening? I, I don't know. That, I don't think the extras know. Oh, it's so fucking funny. I mean, which is good. I mean, Because you which get a genuine good. reaction. Yeah, you get, yeah. You get a real reaction, but... It's it's funny. I love watching when I watch a movie on like a second or third watch. I love watching what the background characters are doing in these types of scenes. <laughs> but cut to Rick's funeral. Alice get on the shitter. <laughs> <laughs> Shitter's full. <laughs> My boy died on the shitter. Hello, baby. <laughs> right. Because yeah, Alice daydreams that Rick isn't actually dead, and then he pops up out of his coffin with what Maurice just said: "The hello, baby." Like he's the big fucking bopper, <laughs> right? Telling her that it's not real; it was all just a joke to fool Freddy. But Alice comments, "No more daydreams," and Rick's like, "Okay, I gotta go." Then <laughs> climbs back into his coffin. Good night. Or is it good night or goodbye? He says, uh, "Good night." I think. Yeah. Good night. And then. We see Dan and De- uh, Deb try to comfort Alice, but she tells him that this is war. She says that <laughs> Deb calls bullshit telling Alice, or no, I'm sorry, she says this is her war. Deb calls bullshit telling Alice that they need to survive together, and she's ready to fight, and Dan agrees. They then make a plan to get together later that night and figure out what to do about Freddy. Alice's dad calls her over, saying it's time to go, and Alice tells them this is how we win, mind over matter. Just like Sheila used to say. Mm -hmm. And she walks away and Deb comments that Sheila used to say that, saying, she gets weirder every day. And Dan goes, no, it's after every death. Mm. Just in case you weren't paying attention. (laughs) Back at Alice's house. (laughs) I don't know why. But Freddy Got Finger just popped into my head. Debbie, would you like some sausage? I'm picturing Freddy Krueger playing that. (laughs) Alice, would you like some sausage? (laughs) Donald Pleasant's pops out. He, he's playing the dad. You're getting weirder in every movie. <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> I gotta watch Freddy Got Fingered again. It's been a long time. Tom Green, whatever happened to that guy? He just was in Buffalo at the Helium Club. Yeah. Was he? Yeah. yeah. That's early 2000s, man. Weird time to be alive. My butt is on your face. My butt is on your face. <laughs> <laughs> My butt is on the moose. <laughs> Back at Alice's house, we see her take down a picture of her mirror, uh, or picture from her mirror of her brother, revealing even more reflection. We now get the absolute worst double in the entire history of films, <laughs> where Alice practices with Rick's nunchucks, and we repeatedly see her from the back. <laughs> And it's like, it ain't even the right color hair. It's not the right hairstyle. This is clearly has man hands with hairy knuckles. Mm-hmm. 
Like in Friday the 13th. <laughs> it's as bad as Tom Savini hands in Friday the 13th. But she's like swinging the nunchucks around and every time we see it from behind where she's like throwing them over her shoulders, it's like man hands, man hands, man hands. We've already established the whole budget went to the... <laughs> the effects. The effects. Oh my God. Afterwards, she pauses and looks scared and says, what's happening to me? <laughs> and I'm like, okay... So, do you understand or not? Because in other scenes, you were like, I absorbed their powers, but now you're like, the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, which is it, Alice? It's all fun and games until it's your brother's powers. Apparently. <laughs> I was like, just pick a fucking lane. Do you get it or do you not? I, I don't understand. So. Oh. Mm, someone is not happy. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up Rufus and he's like, what the hell? Oh, uh, so let's see here. Meanwhile. <laughs> Meanwhile. <laughs> back at the movie. So. She goes to leave to meet up with the others, and her dad completely spazzes out, refusing to let her leave. He's terrified that something will happen to her, too. Now, this is this is truly a sad moment in the flick. Like, you can hear the desperation in his voice. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he, he lost his wife, he lost his son, he doesn't want to lose his daughter as well. And I, I mentioned this in the, in the part two with uh, Clue Gulliger, where he's worried about Jesse thinking he's on drugs. Mm-hmm. And there's that, that moment where... He's he's just a real dad, like, yeah. worried about his son. I feel that same way with this actor uh, for his daughter. Like, he's just terrified about his family. So I was like, okay. My wife died actor. on the toilet. My son died on the toilet. <laughs> Don't shit, Alice. You're going... We are taking out all the toilets. <laughs> just poop in the sink from now on. No, he's going to give her a bag. <laughs> oh, Lord. A catheter and a, and a poop bag. <laughs> Just sit in the tub and waffle, t- waffle, stop it down the drain. <laughs> the first time I saw somebody talk about doing that, I was like, "Wait, that's a thing?" <laughs> Where people are like. When you got a shit and you're in the shower, do you just shit and waffle stomp it down the drain, or do you alley oop it over the over the curtain and into the toilet like LeBron? <laughs> and I was like, "Excuse me, I stopped showering and take a shit." Holy crap. <sighs> Waffle stump. <laughs> <laughs> but, so anyway, Alice's dad stops her, so now she's stuck. We see Dan outside the diner waiting for Alice, and then we cut over to Deb working out at home whilst listening to Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> I'm sorry, the, the put your hands on me, that section of the song kept getting stuck in my head. <laughs> but... <laughs> Cut back to Alice. She sneaks out of her bedroom window the same way that Rick did at the beginning of the film and heads off to the diner. When she gets there, Dan is nowhere around, so she looks across the street to the theater and sees the uh, marquee reads Reefer Madness and Lost Burning Youth. So she decides to get a ticket, because why the fuck not? (laughs) (laughs) So she sits down with her popcorn and drink and begins watching the movie. Suddenly on the screen, we see the diner, but it's overgrown and dirty. Wind starts blowing around the theater, and her drink and popcorn start flying at the screen. Eventually, Alice is sucked toward the screen and flies into the movie. And this is the shot I was talking about at the earlier. It it really is a cool scene. She looks back at the theater and sees all of her dead friends watching and clapping from the audience while her own body is sleeping in the seat. The theater or the uh, diner doors close, and she's trapped inside. She looks around and comes face to face with her elderly self, the Alice that never escaped the diner. <laughs> She's like, what are you having, hon? I don't want to be here for the rest of my life. 
Dr. Loomis is like, <laughs> he gets the hard eyes. <laughs> A woo go. I thought you were going to say, Dr. Loomis turns around with Alice's glasses on. <laughs> and he's like, what are you having? A special is the blackest eyes. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> so Freddy sidles up alongside her as Alice drops a pizza in front of them. And on the pizza are screaming little souls in the shape of meatballs. Freddy skewers Rick the meatball on the end of his claw. And he goes, oh, Rick, you little meatball. <laughs> and he just... <laughs> I, I love soul food. Yeah. But when he stabs Rick in the head, he's like, Meh. like he makes this funny face. And then he pops it in his mouth and he says, uh, you know, I love soul food. And Alice just watches in horror as he's eating the little soul meatballs. He grabs Alice and says, bring me more. In her panic, the doors to the diner open, revealing Deb working out in her room. <coughs> Freddie smiles and tells her, your shift is over. She wakes up in bed. She's also missing a shoe, which she lost in the dream. So she's like, oh no, oh, my right. shoe. <laughs> oh, no. I have a question here. Deb isn't asleep. So how the fuck did Alice bring her into the dream? Oh. She's not sleeping. Nope. She's working out. Sneaky bugger. I was like, they're not paying attention to their own fucking rules. So Alice jumps out of bed and rushes out of the house to go meet Dan at the diner. She tells him that they have to hurry. She's like, I'm driving. And they jump in his car and, and they is, drive off. And this is where the movie starts skipping. Yep. Meanwhile, we see Deb at her house working out. And we see Freddy in the reflection of the weights. Alice and Dan pull up in front of Deb's house. Alice jumps out, runs toward Deb's house, and then suddenly is running around the corner from the diner again, telling Dan they have to hurry. I'm driving. And they get into the car and drive away. And by the fourth time, Dan says, I think we've done this before. before. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh my god, back at Deb's house, uh, she's doing some bench presses and grabs grabs the barbell only to find Freddy holding it. She yells at him, I don't believe in you! And he smiles and goes, but I believe in you. That I always found creepy. Like, yeah. as a kid, that yeah. really got me. Well, for two reasons. Because up to this point, we had established that all you have to do to defeat Freddy is not be afraid of him. Mm-hmm. And now we have a character who's flat out saying, I'm not afraid of you. I don't believe in you. And he's like, too bad. It don't work that way. Mm. Like that, when I was younger, I'm like, okay, I don't like that. <laughs> like that's spooky. But so he, uh, he slowly presses the barbell down on her and her arms snap oh. at the elbows, causing her to howl in pain. Fucking freaky. Yes. Like, especially when she gets up and her arms flop forward and it's like you can just see, like, the gnarly pieces hanging out the back. It's like, oh, fuck. So her arms start to rip open as giant roach legs begin to rip through her skin, shedding off the broken arms and replacing them with bug legs. Deb screams and runs away. Cut back to Dan and Alice. <laughs> She's running with a little, like, <laughs> floppy arms. Go back to Dan and Alice arriving at Deb's house. Alice jumps out of the car, runs toward the house, and then she's back outside the diner again. Alice comments that he's going after Deb, and Dan goes, I get the weirdest feeling we've done this before. <laughs> back at Deb's place, we see she uh, see she's turned half into a roach and is trapped in a room with sticky floors looking out at her bedroom. Suddenly, the whole room begins to shift, and she drops face first into the goo. She begins screaming and pulls herself up from the floor, only to split out of her skin and turn into a giant roach completely. 
Back to Alice and Dan, we see Alice rounding the corner of the diner yet again and running toward Dan. This is where they finally realize they're stuck in a dream loop and Freddy is fucking with them. Back at Deb's, we see that she's trapped in a roach motel. You could take a hoe to a hotel, but you take a roach to a roach, a rotel. A rotel. A rotel. <laughs> we see Freddy, like, peering in the, the roach motel. He goes, you can check in, but, but you can't. can't check out. Yep. And then he squishes it. Oh, oh all, all the, the goo. Yeah, oh. the freaking yellow and white pus is like, it's nasty. Oh, probably crunched, too, when he did it. It did. Bye-bye, Deb. So she squished. How do you explain that? My daughter is now a roach. <laughs> My daughter turned into a roach while lifting weights and then got squished by a giant man. What? In this little box. <laughs> Can I have some of what you're smoking? <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, Alice convulses behind the wheel and tells Dan that Deb is gone. That she's just collected her like all the others. So, of course, now you know what you're doing again. Whereas before, you didn't. Up ahead in the road, they Amnesia. See, right? Seriously. It's the only explanation. Up in the road ahead, they see Freddy standing there smiling at them. Alice gets pissed and guns it right for him. The truck hits him and collapses in on itself. That was a cool effect, mm-hmm. where it just, like, hits nothingness. We pan out to see that they've actually hit a tree. Alice is seemingly okay, but Dan is definitely injured. End of Act 2. <laughs> what do it's you only going to get better now. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I love the roach kill. Like, that's one of my favorite things in this act. Yeah. It's, oh, like... That might be my favorite thing in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it really... There really are some good effect sequences. The, this one is funny. Um, on the Never Sleep Again documentary, they talk about uh, doing this, this sequence. And it was uh, Screaming Mad George who did the effects for mm-hmm. it. Well, when she's doing the bench presses, it's literally just her head sticking up out of, like, this box. The rest, like, the whole body is all prosthetic. So she said she was in that box for hours and hours and hours until finally she was like, I have to pee. Like, you guys have to let me out. And she goes, they hand me a Dixie cup. She's like, I'm not a man. I can't do this. Get me out of the damn box. I always found that funny. Like, these these burly... in a box? (laughs) These burly effects artists are like, you're peeing a cup. (laughs) So... But yeah, so what he's you, giving her a bedpan. Right? So what are you guys thinking at this point of the movie? Same. Yep. More of the same, huh? Yep. Same. <laughs> cool kills, good quips. Confusing story. Very confusing fucking story. It's going to get better. <clears throat> to a degree. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to end in a right. little bit. So we see Dan being loaded into the back of an ambulance with Alice... She's refusing to let them put him to sleep, citing that he's allergic. She, like, slaps the syringe <laughs> out of the EMT's hand. He's like, what's your like, problem? He's like, doctor's orders. She slaps it out of his hand. She's like, he's allergic. Doctor's orders. <laughs> like, those are my orders, man. He's like, why the fuck didn't you say so? Fucking kids. <laughs> but they get to the hospital. And, and Dr. Loomis is waiting for them. <laughs> Did you bring Michael? They get to the hospital and find their parents waiting for them. Alice finds out that Dan is being rushed into surgery in 15 minutes. Knowing that once he's put under, Dan is fucked. She grabs her dad's car keys and rushes away from the hospital, leaving her dad being like, what the hell's happening? Don't use the toilet! (laughs) You'll die! 
She heads home and we get our gearing up montage scene juxtaposed with Dan getting prepped for surgery. Dead on the toilet. Alice takes some sleeping pills The doctors put Dan under Alice gears up with all of her friend's stuff And takes down all the photos off of her mirror Revealing the full reflection So now Alice is looking into the looking glass We see Dan in surgery Look up to see Freddy as the doctor He screams out for Alice He says, Kruger And he says, well, it ain't Dr. Seuss (laughs) That's right, I forgot him (laughs) Alice sees Dan in the mirror, and then Alice literally goes through the looking glass, in case you didn't get the Wonderland references yet. I didn't. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but I love how she backs up, and then she she does, like, her best Liu Kang for Mortal Kombat. Yes! Where she just, like, flies in one pose through the glass. Alice pops out in the surgery room and gets Dan up off the bed. They leave the room and end up in a weird spinny tunnel while Freddy is at the other end spinning it round and round. Mm. Sends them flying out through a stained glass window and into a church. When they land on the floor, we see Dan starts to bleed heavily, and in the real world, Dan begins hemorrhaging on the operating table. The doctors pull him out. We need more suction! (laughs) In the dream, Dan slowly disappears as he's woken up in the real, real world. Alice looks around and sees a choir of, fr- of children singing the Freddy rhyme as the church doors open and Freddy walks in saying, Welcome to Wonderland, Alice. <laughs> oh, God. So the two face off and have their little kung fu fight. Freddy Everybody ta- was kung fu fighting. <laughs> I love how they were like doing Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, like running across the pew tops. Matrix. <laughs> But he, uh, Freddy taunts her saying, you have their powers, but I've got their souls. Alice seemingly gets the upper hand on Freddy, but then he pops up behind her coming and you think you have what it takes. I've been guarding my gate for a long time, bitch. Mm. And he grabs her and throws her into the altar, destroying it. And this, this whole guarding gate, non, like it, it plays nothing in the entire film. It drives me crazy. But Alice gets up. And uses Sheila's bug zapper to laser blast a hole clean through Freddy. (laughs) We see his shriveled heart beating through the hole in his chest as he laughs it off and magics himself back together. Telling her, I am eternal. And then backhands her into the corner. Alice looks up at the choir of children who now sing, Now I lay me down to sleep, the master of (coughs) dreams, my soul I'll keep. In the reflection of my mind's eye, evil will see itself and it shall die. What? Yep. Like, okay. Just stringing together words that rhyme at this point. <laughs> Alice grabs the shard of broken glass and holds it up to Freddy. He sees his reflection and freezes in horror. We get this great POV shot as the, the reflection swirls down his throat and we see all the screaming souls trapped inside of his body. Um, and now we see the naked Linnea Quigley. Yes, because now uh, Freddy's body starts ripping itself apart as all the souls start fighting to escape. And we get these great little animatronic arms that are like popping out of his sides, grabbing onto stuff like meh. <laughs> and then we see, yes, the, the up close of his chest and we get Linnea's boobs pressing out, <laughs> which, again, watch the documentary because <laughs> they have this giant, like, oversized freddy torso with actual people writhing around mm-hmm. in there and there's this tiny little asian lady holding the damn thing at the top <laughs> and while they're filming this you can hear the one guy yelling more breasts stick your boobs out Linnea!" 
and you see her like sticking her tits out. Well, apparently they didn't mount this thing properly because the whole thing comes crashing down. And you can see it on the documentary. You just see this poor little Asian lady. I think her name was Michiko. She, she's like, we just like falls off on top of everybody. Oh my God. That's the TikTok video. Wee. <laughs> Wee. <laughs> oh, the TikTok. Oh, the tickety tacks. My but, coworkers chuckle because I'm like, have you, did you see this thing on the Facebook? <laughs> did you see this on there? The tickety tacks. <laughs> but so the, the little, uh, the little souls start tearing Freddy apart. Eventually, they rip his face open, and all the souls escape his body as the shattered Freddy husk falls over. And all the souls fly past Alice, going, Thank you, Alice! <laughs> Which cracked me the fuck up! It's so bad! Alice kicks Freddy's glove and says, Rest in hell. She then calmly walks out, the, walks out of the church and out into the light. Cut to Dan and Alice walking hand in hand through the park, talking. We see that they're clearly together now. They stop at a fountain and Dan pulls out a coin, telling Alice to make a wish. She laughs, saying, oh, come on, you don't believe in that stuff. You know, because wishes are so much more uh, unbelievable than dream demons and whatnot. <laughs> but, you know. so Dan... She does it anyway, because she wants to get some. <laughs> Dan's like, oh, actually I do. And he flicks the, the coin in the water. But right before it hits the water, we see the reflection of Freddy waving at Alice. Coin hits the water, the reflection disappears. Alice looks frightened for a moment, but collects herself. Dan asks, what did you wish for? And she goes, if I tell you, it won't come true. Cue Sinead O'Connor, credits the end. <laughs> so, final thoughts on this. Like I said, I pretty much love all of the Nightmare movies. Uh, I find this one in five to be the absolute <laughs> weakest of the bunch. And I really do think that was just because it was rushed. Like, they were in such a hurry to make these films happen. Um... Because, yeah, like I said, the whole giant plot hole <coughs> with Kristen's powers, it doesn't make any fucking sense. The whole Dream Master thing, like, what were they trying to do? It just, the world may never know. Yeah. <laughs> it's Well, we won't, because, you know, the remake fucking flopped, unfortunately, so we're never going to get more. I liked the remake. I love the remake. So, I, yeah. My only beef with the remake, and I'm sure we'll, we'll cover it, but my only beef with the remake is the scenes that they tried to redo from the original they kind of paled in comparison. Oh, yeah. Anytime they were doing their own thing, it was fucking fantastic. Like, I really... And I love Jackie Earl Haley's performance as Freddy. He was creepy as fuck. Yep. So. But uh, there's quite a bit of trivia on IMDb if you guys want to check it out. Like, there wasn't anything that I found too interesting. It was all stuff like, so-and-so drove this type of car, and, you know. Um, Sylvester Stallone was going to be uh, <laughs> Freddy Krueger. Fred Savage was supposed to play Dan. <laughs> Um, but this was the highest grossing entry in the Nightmare on Elm Street fr film franchise, not counting Freddy vs. Jason. It earned $49 million in the U.S. Um, the success of this convinced <laughs> convinced the producers to create Freddy's Nightmares, which, uh, I mean, I guess, hey, it got him money, but still, oof. Did, wasn't there also, like, a Freddy's hotline? Yes, a 1-900 number. Yes. He had just about everything by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, the budget was only $13 million, making it the most expensive Nightmare on Elm Street film at the time until it got surpassed by Freddy and Jason with $25 million. But you figure $13 million. In, in the 1980s. Yeah, yeah, but it made $49 million, so... Right. Oh, they, they more than yeah. made their money back. Um, and then just... I, this was the highest grossing horror film of 1988. 
And this one I just thought was funny. In Japan, the movie was retitled to A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Last Counterattack. Oh, that's... that's <laughs> like, what? That's Is crazy, that because that, cause the big three came out that year. What's that? Halloween 4, and then uh, Friday the 13th Part 7. <laughs> Yeah, but Friday the 13th Part 7, while beloved by us, is not one of those... Like, because a lot of fans say that's where it jumped the shark because it introduced the whole idea of, like, supernatural yeah. powers and stuff. Which I argue is why I fucking love it. It's like, it's Carrie versus Jason. I love it. So, they didn't think they <coughs> jumped the shark when he went to Manhattan? No, he goes to Manhattan next. Seven. Seven's that's right, before. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Seven comes before but I, 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 thought, I thought maybe Halloween 4 would be highest grossing because... They're, they brought back Michael Myers. But, True. But yeah. But a lot, yes. of people, a lot of people were probably turned off by... By part three. Yeah. I think part four of Halloween is one of those movies that gained its it gained its fame after the video release. Because people started... Like, because part three burned so many people. Yeah. You know, whereas with this, you know, Nightmare on <laughs> Elm Street 3 was such a huge success. It was like, oh, let's go see the next one. How would that yeah. be for a year, though? What's that? Friday the 13th, Nightmare, and Halloween all came out. Shit. A movie came out. That's the only time it ever happened. It was nineteen eighty eight. We did get the the remakes <coughs> real close together because we got Friday the Thirteenth in two thousand nine, and then we got Nightmare on Elm Street in two thousand ten. Yeah. So, but seems like yesterday. I know, right? <laughs> World. But yeah. So, any final thoughts on this here nightmare? I think I said everything. <laughs> Maurice is like, "Fuck this movie." As did I. I can't wait for the next one. <laughs> Dream child. So, yeah, for anyone uh, listening that is not following us on the socials, we are The Boogeyman's Closet on both Facebook and Instagram. Maurice, what is our Twitter? At Boogeyman's the... Thank you very much, sir. Uh, we do have a Patreon. Like I keep saying, there will be changes to it. I just haven't got a chance to implement them just yet. Um, by the time you're listening to this, it may have happened because we're recording this pretty early. Um, so, yeah, there'll be a few some changes coming up. Uh, we are part of the Rad Pantheon Network, so check out radpantheon.com and Rad Pantheon on all the socials for other podcasts like this one, as well as rad artists and musicians just doing cool stuff. <clears throat> so for anyone that wants to watch our next episode before listening, it's uh, episode 180, Nightmare on Elm Street, The Dream Child. So Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Oh, boy. <laughs> Dream child. Movie's gonna get easier. <laughs> movie's gotta keep moving. <laughs> yes. Precisely. All right, folks. Well, with that, I think we're gonna wrap this one up. So, as always, this is Mike saying goodbye. How's that for a wet dream? <laughs> I think Donald Pleasance is here. <laughs> he has the blackest eyes. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, follow us on Instagram at The Boogeyman's Closet, where you can stay up to date with everything we have planned.